0: Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at babble.com slash BlueWire, spelled dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, BronxPinstripes.com proudly brings to you the most exciting Yankees podcast in the world. George's
2: box. All the dramatic I've ever seen.
1: To George's box. Goodness gracious. Goodness gracious. Welcome back to George's Box. I'm JJ. I'm Nick. We've got Dan and to a lot of people. It's a good day to be a Yankee fan. It is the Monday after the trade deadline that we're recording this. Uh The new guys are going to be wearing pinstripes for the first time tonight. We made
3: some moves. The trade deadline has come and gone. Go ahead. It's done. It's done. Yeah. And, uh, I was very negative. I think a lot of the first half of the season and everything that I said previously up until now was under the assumption that we weren't going to obtain Anthony Rizzo, who is a left-handed bat who is a gold glove first baseman who has a championship pedigree and is an a plus makeup guy to me, acquiring a guy like him. We're going to talk about Gallo too, but acquiring a guy like Rizzo to me, he brings the Todd Frazier effect of just, making everybody excited, making everybody better, fit in, and he's three times the player that Todd Frazier was. Like that's the kind of impact I think that Rizzo's going to have, and, and you already saw it in Miami. So I've been pretty vocal that I thought the Yankees should
1: sell. I did not think Brian Cashman could make the moves that the Yankees needed and keep us under the luxury tax, and I still believe that. Because I do not believe that Brian Cashman made all the moves the Yankees needed. I think that he got very creative. I think Gallo, you know, if you're going to go for it, you got to go get Gallo. You're going to go for it. You got to go get Rizzo. I don't think we have the pitching. I still think I viewed the trade deadline like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday was a three-game series of the trade deadline. And on Friday, we threw out a day game stinker, and got a pitcher with a five ERA from the Angels.
3: Yeah, I look. I thought we should have sold too. I thought you know, for the best, the future of the franchise, the better move would have been selling. But now that we bought, and now that we yeah. brought in two impact players, like I'm excited. I, everybody I who's they got they
1: pinstripes do. on, listen, I'm cheering for everybody who's got pinstripes on every day. And these are our guys. I said this a couple years ago, like, we'll rock with who we got. This is it. This is the team. These are the guys I'm going to end up watching every game because every week I come on here and I'm like, don't waste your time. And then I waste my time. I watch all the games. Um, But there's, you know, obviously I've been getting into it with people on Twitter. And there was one guy, Frankie something, um, who I've been going back and forth with. And he said to me, after... Cashman made these deals. Like, are you going to admit you were wrong now? And I was totally wrong in Brian Cashman making actual moves. Like, Brian Cashman has what I said for the Yankees to make the playoffs. I said that they had to do something that really hadn't been done before. They had to win two thirds of their games to finish the season after being about a five hundred team. Or now there is a whole other thing that's never happened before, and that is Brian Cashman fully going all you know all in at the deadline and buying. Never saw that coming at all. But if we do anything that is not win the World Series, I was right. If we win the World Series, I was wrong, and I can live with being wrong. Trust
3: me. Nobody can live with being wrong for a World Series more than me. Look, that's fair. That's fair. My favorite part about this deadline is that Brian Cashman didn't say, oh, well, getting Luke Voigt back is going to be like a trade deadline acquisition. He just went out and got a better first baseman who was a better fit for this club. And we've talked about how Voigt is a redundant player. He's a terrible defender. He's an all-or-nothing right-handed hitter that swings for the moon every time. And in Rizzo, he chokes up. He's a situational hitter. He's a way better defender. Like, I'm so happy that instead of waiting for an injured player to come back, they went out and fucking got a guy that was better. Like, that showed me a lot.
1: Yeah, well. What- out and got a guy like Rizzo is he's got like he's got a baby face like he's been around for a while but he just looks like a, I think it's the eye black too that is just like hey this guy's just happy to be here he's just he's a ball player we've seen him pitch a few times and like he's just ready to go out there and have fun I mean even watching the the Cubs put out like a thank you Rizzo like video and I'm just like that's some fun excitement in a guy that you know do we look at
3: extending Rizzo? Well, I'd like to. I don't think they'll extend him, but I would love to re-sign him in the offseason. Well, yeah, that's two. what I mean. Yeah, I don't know, eighty million over four, you know, something like that. Give him three, four years, twenty million a year. He, any, he, I grew, I, I read that he grew up spending summers in North Jersey. Like he's not from Jersey, but he would spend the summers there, kind of like Jeter. When Jeter, you know, grew up in Michigan, but he spent his summers in Jersey, kind of that Yankee connection. So, you know, I think it's certainly something he'd be open to. He's obviously not going to go back to the Cubs, so yeah, I think that's definitely in play.
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, what's he making this year? He's, last year of arbitration. He's like making 15 million? 16 and a
3: half million. Ooh, good guess by me.
1: Yeah, so I I don't know. I feel like for he'll be 32 next year. So you got to factor that in. I mean, not many people can say that they've won a World Series for the Chicago Cubs and the New York Yankees. Those Nobody, are money-making places. Sure. <laughs> Those are money-making places to win a World Series.
3: Yeah. No, absolutely. He's reunited with Chapman, who he won with in Chicago. So that's somebody he knows. And he's going to fit in any anyway. that
1: No, no. That, he is reunited with Chapman, who's someone he won in spite of. Chapman blew Game 7 of the World Series.
3: Let's not forget that. He did. But they don't get there without him either. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not going to say that they're bad moves. I just think there was one more move that we needed to make because especially when you come out of the weekend and Herman's going on the IL and, you know, it's a vague thing, you know, it's a vague injury
3: could be a month could be 10 days i'm glad you brought that up i think i don't think he's actually hurt i think this is a maintenance he didn't pitch at all last year type rest where he was never going to throw 200 innings this year. You know, they want to give him some maintenance. They just brought in Haney. It's a good time to kind of give him 10 days. If you remember, they used to kind of do this with CC with the knee. It's like, you know, we're just going to give you 10 days. And then after 10 days, he comes right off. They've been very vague about it. I would not be, and maybe I'm wrong, but I would not be surprised if he's just back ready to roll in 10 days. And I think they're going to do something similar with Tyone at some point too, by the way.
1: I mean, you hope, you hope that it's just that. I feel like that's a, a situation that you you made up in your head. And I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm, I'm fine with that. Yeah. You know, I'm fine with whatever you got to do. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, Tyone just wins AL Pitcher of the Month Which, for July. Who the hell saw that coming? In June, if it was legal, I would have shot him in his face in the parking lot of Citizens Bank Park. <laughs> In front of his whole family. Yeah, I would have too. I would. Have been and not that. even thought, uh, uh, you know, for a second, I'd have him walk maskless through a COVID ICU unit. But now, so it, so here's my here's my issue with this team. It has been, and I think Tyone in that case is Michael Cosmo. It's either feast or famine. It's a home run or a strikeout, and that's. We we have to find this middle ground. It's what Gary has been for a long time. It's what Stanton is. It's, you know, so I get it. You want to ride the hot hand. And I hope that Tyone can go out there and what he had like a one ERA for the month. Yeah, for July. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Go out there and have a two ERA for August. You know, have a two five ERA. And because that's cl- a lot closer to who he actually is. Like, let's work off something that's real instead of the idea that for after July, August, September, October, Jamison Tyone's just a different guy.
3: Yeah, and let's not forget his ERA on the season, it's still over four. He needs to do more to make up for that atrocious first half. I mean, he was non-competitive for April, May, and June, basically. So he, he's getting there, but for all the people who are like, yeah, Tyone's back, Tyone's sick, Let, let's see him get the ERA under four, and then we can start to have that conversation.
1: Yeah, I I like to see guys get accolades and then, like, respond to that accolade. It's very easy to lose focus after, you, you know, the team tweets an AL Pitcher of the Month gif of you. Like, then, I mean, it's easy to lose focus.
3: No, you're right. And I know, you, you know you're You a little bit down about the deadline and just a little bit probably more down than me in general. And one one area where I kind of agree with you is the offense clearly isn't back. They scored 10 runs in Miami in the three games and all three runs that they scored on Sunday were unearned. So they scored seven real runs in yeah. the three games, which is obviously not good. They won whatever, three to one, four to two and three to one. So offense still isn't back. And that's concerning.
1: Well, and Miami has good pitching. That's what everyone, you know, they've got great pitching. I get that. They have good pitching. They don't have great pitching. No one there is winning a Cy Young this year. So they have good pitching, but we're supposed to be a great lineup. You know, we just added two All-Stars to a lineup full of All-Stars. I mean,
3: has Odor been an All-Star? He's probably made an All-Star game. Maybe one. Maybe. And look, without without the Rizzo trade, they might win only one of those games. (laughs) I mean, he hit he hit the yeah. two homers, and then he had the game time hit on Sunday. He kind of single handedly swept swept the Marlins by himself. So we could be having a totally different conversation if they like if they just make the Gallo trade and they don't make the Rizzo trade. There's a chance they get swept. <laughs> if they just made the Gallo trade, we'd be so fucked. That would be the worst. That would have been the worst case scenario. Yes, because that definitely wouldn't have been enough. Because to a certain extent, too, with Rizzo. I mean, a big
1: part of the the clips that they had in the, like, thank you, Rizzo video, is him just, like, he's on the tarp. He's jumping in the stands. He's walking the ledge of the wall catching pop-ups. I mean, that ain't Luke Voigt. That ain't Luke Voigt at all. <laughs> so, I mean, from a defensive run saved standpoint, both on, like, you know, on balls and foul territory, on balls hit to him, but also on some of the throws from infielders that we have, Rizzo can really make a, a solid impact. And, you know, he's a platinum glove defender. Um, so I think that the Rizzo move is a great move, uh, especially if we can get into any kind of conversations around, you know, maybe resigning him. Like, I don't know what his allegiance is. I don't know if he, it, you know is interested in, you know, getting, you know, staying in New York. Um, I don't think, you know, he's from, he's from Parkland, Florida. He went to the school with the shooting. Oh, like that shooting from a, yeah, yeah, that's like, wow, that's okay. his high school. So we don't have to worry that like he's dying to get to the Marlins, you know? That's always the thing with the, I mean, Cole You had to contend with is he going? He wants to be a Yankee, he wants to go home. So, there's none of that. I think for Rizzo, it'll come down to money and who gives him, you know, the best chance to win again. I think, as a guy who's already won a World Series, that can go one of two ways. You know, it can go, I need to get another World Series, or it could go, Hey, you know, I've made I won my World Series, I'm just trying to like get money. He's not a Boris guy, which helps so it'll be interesting to see what happens he's a guy who I think very much makes his team better um, more so than any other like trade that I've seen in a long time.
3: Oh, definitely. And you can't, if the Yankees don't want to resign him cause they don't think he's going to age well, that's fine. But you can't not resign him because you think Voight's going to bounce back the same way. You can't not sign Corey Seager. Cause you think labor is going to bounce back the same way. You can't not sign a stud pitcher because you think Seve's going to come back. Like they have to get past this waiting for guys to rebound or waiting for guys to get healthy and just go fucking get good players. And, and that's what I'm happy about. That was my relief. Cause every year at the deadline, we hear about how the big acquisition is going to be the guy coming off the IL or the guy that's been sucking is going to get better and and it's refreshing to see them get past that i think that's where a lot of my optimism is
1: well that's i mean most of yankee's twitter that their strategy is like if i just believe in these guys (laughs) yes they're gonna play better it's a very it's a tinkerbell mentality if you just believe whereas like rizzo you know he's i I think it's it's an energy too you know the dugout looked like they were having fun for the first time in a long time um he's not gonna like take I mean because he's a rental player that's all he is like it might just be for this little bit of time we have him and that's it um but Gallo we have for another year and so with that I mean Stanton played
3: the outfield for two games Stanton's gonna play the outfield tonight he's gonna play right field tonight get judge off his feet DH Stanton looked you know he made the plays and left I wasn't you know, analyzing his every movement, but he made the plays he was supposed to make. That's fine. Don't embarrass yourself out yeah. there. Don't do anything. Hey, if a ball gets into the corner
1: and you can't get to it, you can't get to it. You know, like that. But catch the balls that are hit right at you. Catch them to your left. Catch them to your right. Take your first step back. Just do the basics. I'm looking for a full outfielder next year out of him. Like, I fully, okay. like, that's what I'm expecting. Anything less I think is like the ability to do that still probably getting most of his starts at DH, but the ability to go out there and not be a negative to the team in the field while also creating these half days off for other guys on the team.
3: Yeah, that's what he's got to do, and I'm excited to see. I think at some point they're going to throw Gallo in center. Uh, I'm excited to see that, not only because it, it means Brett Gardner's on the bench, but because you know I just want to see him play there. We've heard he can play there. He won a gold glove, I think, in right field, but yeah. apparently he's a decent center fielder too, and for a team that's gotten legitimately zero center field production this year, that's very intriguing to me, the idea of Gallo in center, Judge in right, and Stanton in left.
1: I think, I mean— when you think of center field for the New York Yankees, it's Dimaggio, Mantle, even Bernie Williams. Um, even defensively, like Gardner has Gardner has been a really great outfielder for a really long time. His age and is he's showing, still, and
3: he's still above average
1: yeah. defensively. Yeah, but when if you've got an outfield that's Judge, Stanton, Gallo, I mean. I'll take I'll take losing maybe a little bit of ground coverage in center field, but also I think Gallo
3: at full speed is better than jogging Hicks. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. And I love that we're now we don't have to just sit back and wait for Hicks next year and hope that he's healthy. Like you said, the Tinkerbell thing. We don't have to hope that Clint Frazier is going to get past all of his issues and Andujar. Like we can stop hoping on these question marks, and now we have legit guys that are ready to roll. It's very it's very refreshing.
1: I mean, obviously we still have the rest of the season to go. I wouldn't be surprised though if Hicks is back at center field next year, and we're looking at a Gallo Hicks, and then like a Judge Stanton platoon
3: between like DH right field, kind of going back and forth. You're right. In March we'll be looking at that, but you know by mid-April or May Hicks is going to be on the shelf. It's just it's just what he does. There's no reason to think as he gets into his 30s he's going to somehow get healthier. It goes in the opposite direction. We've
0: got so much on that contract.
3: So much on that contract. Stupid stupidest deal ever, but yeah, they're going to have decisions to make. Not only with Rizzo this offseason, Gallo the next offseason, but just getting back to this year, the one thing that I didn't like about this deadline is now Glaber is 100% locked into shortstop. They didn't get any kind of insurance policy, whether that be an Andrelton Simmons or just a defensive replacement. Freddie Galvis was dealt to the Phillies. Like they didn't do anything there and he's, he's hitting 240 with six homers and he's been the worst shortstop defensively. I think his war is around zero. He, he's pretty much given them nothing, and it's it's hard to win a World Series when you're getting nothing at a shortstop. I just realized that Aaron Hicks
1: is going to be on the Yankees through 2025. Ooh. um, Yeah, I mean, you threw out Freddie Galvis, and so once we got Gallo and Rizzo, we we had to be out on story. We're not going to defense our way to the World Series, right? You You need... We needed to get some kind of pitching. It sounds like the story price just you know wasn't there, didn't make sense. Maybe at the end it could have been something that like, hey, we're just looking to dump him. But uh, at the same time, because he's not on a big long term deal, the Rockies got the ownership got so much shit for how bad the Arenado deal went for them that they just like they couldn't be taken advantage of because all three of the Rockies fans would have been pretty pissed off, (laughs) and. But yeah, I mean, it means that Glaber is the shortstop, and you know it makes a lot of things interesting for the off too. Of like, do you still go after a Corey Seager? If so, where does Glaber go? If if he's going to second, where's DJ go? If you know, does he go play first base and then we don't go after Rizzo? I think it comes down to, I think you're going to sign one out, one infielder. And it's either gonna be a Seeger or a Rizzo.
3: That that's interesting. To me, like I don't we don't owe Glaber anything. Like they don't owe him any money. They didn't they haven't committed to him. And if he hits two and if he finishes hitting two forty with ten homers and is thirty first in defensive metrics, like why would you keep sitting around and waiting and hoping when you have the golden shortstop class? Like you're never gonna have a better or deeper shortstop class this off season. So if you're gonna give up on Glaber, this is kind of the off season to do it, realistically. Maybe try to move him for some pitching. Yeah, problem is his stock's going to be low. I don't know what they're going to do with him. I just don't want him and Voight to deter them from making moves is, is kind of my point. Yeah,
1: I mean, we, are, uh, we very much uh, approach it the opposite of, I think, most Yankee fans. I think I definitely do, and I think it's just my age, that like I'm only as
3: faithful as my next best option. So, like I don't give a shit about any of these guys. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And, and just with Glaber specifically, it's just been such a troubling downward trend since 2019. And I don't see any evidence that he's going to turn it around. Like, it's not like he's ripping the ball right at people or, you know, getting unlucky. He's, he's inconsistent in the field. He strikes out a lot. He pops up a lot. He's got six. He's got 12 homers since the start of last year. The power has completely disappeared. So, I, I mean, I haven't looked at all those underlying bullshit metrics, but there's not a lot of things that we're seeing that, that makes us think he's going to turn it around.
1: Yeah, and I, I honestly I don't give a fuck about uh, like these luck metrics. Yeah, people are getting so big on trying to like, well, if you look at how luck- unlucky they are, I mean, he's got a lower WAR this season, Glaber, for the Yankees, than Anthony Rizzo
0: has for the Yankees.
3: Tells you all you need to know.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Just go to indeed.com slash Bluewire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash Bluewire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be I mean Again, I like I want the Yankees to do the unthinkable and I don't know, somehow find an arm, whether it's, you know, hey, Clark Schmidt comes out of nowhere and he's able to really contribute in, uh, a, you know, a really mediocre way for the, <laughs> you know, for the final push in the playoffs. And, like, I'm being serious when I say that. Like, if you can go out there with this lineup, if you can go out there and just not shit the bed, you have a chance if this lineup gets going. But there's a lot of ifs. I keep saying if a lot, which is
3: not really how you win a World Series. No, there are a lot of ifs, and and in regards to the lineup. I actually want to read you what I would put out there as a lineup. There's a lot of different things they can do, and I want you to kind of react okay. to what I have. So th- this is what I'd like to do tomorrow, tonight, whatever, assuming you know, Voigt's still on the shelf. Lead off is Gallo in left field. Judge in right, batting second. Rizzo at first base, batting third. Stanton DHing, batting cleanup. Gio Urshela batting fifth at third base. DJ batting sixth at second. Gary Sanchez catching, hitting seventh. Glaber at short, hitting eighth. And Greg Allen in center field, batting ninth. That is how I would roll. Does Gallo lead off? I don't know if he has before, but he's got a three eighty OBP and he sees a ton of pitches. So True. I kind of like it. It's a and good DJ way to hasn't really them. been getting it done up there. That's, that's the other thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's good to see DJ back in the lineup tonight because it was just like, you know, the timing of like you know, what the fuck? You you know, just when the reserves come in. So a
3: tricep too. It was a little weird. Like where when did that come from?
1: Yeah, was it a throw? Was it a swing? I'd like to know a little bit more there. And what's up with Geo? Geo tight hamstring, but not going on the IL. Yeah, just kind of fighting through, it, which hey, I like. You know, he's made himself available. The interesting thing for me is because I think the so, I don't have an issue with your lineup. Like, anything that keeps Brett Gardner out of it, like, I'm here for. Just because I don't... Like, it, it's... He's not the guy. Greg There's- Allen has been playing well. Like, I'm... For, we're talking about the ninth spot in the lineup. Play the hot hand.
3: Whoever's he's playing is playing. switch hitter, too. So, that's a little bonus for Allen. Yeah. He switch hits. So... Here's my question,
1: and it's because I know you know fans get so attached to the to the players. I mean, everyone wants Voight back, right? And he's going to start a rehab since this week. So I think that if we didn't trade for Anthony Rizzo, Voight is not going on a rehab assignment. Oh, absolutely, absolutely! Because like, he did the, the last two times. Yeah, he's <laughs> back in the lineup. You know, probably today.
3: Do you think they're just buying time knowing someone will get injured? Yes, I think they want to ride this out as long as they can. Like, I think this could be a two-week rehab assignment. They want to kick the can down the road before they have to make a difficult decision. But to me, there's not much of a decision to make. When Boyd comes back, he's the backup first baseman slash backup DH. So who comes off the roster?
1: Because... I haven't dove into. Gio is our backup shortstop, Right. If we don't have Tyler Wade, it's Geo. And Geo's fighting a hamstring. That's not exactly a good, expand your range, you know, injury. So does Odor
3: end up being the odd man out? I think they, before they do that, they might go short in the bullpen. Okay. The thing is, I don't think all of these guys are going to be healthy at the same time. Like, I think by the time Voight. Gets back, another position player is going to be injured. When in the past five years have they all been healthy at the same time?
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, but the only thing that gets us over the hump is if these guys can, if people can stay healthy now.
3: Yeah. No, you're right. And a lot of people are saying, oh, with the ideal lineup, it's, you know, it's Void at DH and Stan in left field full time. I just don't think that they are going to play Stan in the outfield six days a week for the rest of the season after not doing it for two years.
1: Yeah. no, No, no. Stanton, I think Stanton needs to play. I mean, I, am, I was shocked when I saw the Saturday lineup. Yeah, me too. Like, shocked. I assumed he'd play Friday and Sunday. Me too, yeah. I figured they wouldn't go back to back. And then to see him back in the lineup in the field today, also kind of surprising.
3: Yeah, I guess they're trying to ride the momentum out, and they wanted to get Judge, get Judge off his feet, and that's the perfect time to throw Stanton right and playing right field at Yankee Stadium. I mean, that's that's about as easy as it gets, other than playing left at Fenway. Yeah, you know, in terms of ground to cover,
1: I think it's probably easier to play right because you're not dealing with uh, shit coming off the wall, right? You know, turning <laughs> around. I don't, I don't need There's a
3: garage out there. Yeah,
1: I don't need with his whole like. I don't need Stanton turning his whole body around. He'll pull something there. Um. I think we probably see Stanton in the field three days a week, maybe two, maybe three, two, three, two, the rest of August, with then two or three days of DHing, depending on how many games they're playing, and then one day off a week, probably. Um, I, and then I think we see that for the month, and then we see what September is. You know, then it was
3: going to be two days, too.
1: Yeah. Like, do we, you know, how pedal to the metal do we need to be? Because I don't know. I just kind of view like the entire season. Like, let's say you want to put a deck on your house and you go to a contractor and that's, you know, Cashman and Boone contracting. (laughs) And you say, I need this deck ready to go for October 1st, October 1st, It's February. October first, so I've got I got a shindig going on. I need this deck done. And hey, you could get really far ahead of schedule, or you could bring it down to the last day of September, where I got to figure out if my deck's going to be ready to go or not. And they've chosen the later option, you know, the latter option to say, hey, uh, you know, we're not going to be ready in advance. We're not going to clinch the division by seven games. But at the same time. The Rays lost Glass now.
3: Like, I mean, a lot of things change right there. Yeah, huge for them, I think, because he's going to have to get Tommy John or Tommy John. Yeah, he's John out next year. He's right? out
1: likely all of next year, too.
3: Okay. so But the thing about the Rays is you know they're just going to find somebody else to come in there and, and probably throw 100 miles an hour. To, to me, they have two choices with Stanton. They can ramp him up hard in September, get him playing maybe three, four times a week and make him the left fielder for the playoffs and, and you know, DH Voight. Or they can say they can bubble wrap him in September and say, look, we just want you healthy for the playoffs. You're really just going to DH in September. I think they're going to go one of those two extremes. I, I don't think they'll play it in the middle necessarily.
1: Well, I think you ha- you just like, you have to keep him moving though it's like one of those like you don't move it you lose it especially as it gets colder like you gotta you know you gotta keep the muscles loose you gotta keep them out there doing it and hey who knows maybe they're simulating before games like him getting all that work in but you can't just because it if you bubble wrap him in all of september you're hoping on like october 25th or whatever it is when it's 42 degrees maybe that now you're going to put him out there against the Dodgers. Actually, it'll, yeah. be pretty,
3: it'll be pretty warm in Southern California. Right. Yeah, maybe he could just play, play out there. No, dude, there's no, there's no set way to go about it. There's no proven theory of like this is the way that works and this is the way to keep him healthy. Not only is he fragile, he is an extremely slow healer. Like you know, most guys come back from a strained calf in three weeks. It takes him six or a quad or whatever. Like he, he does not come back quickly from injuries. Every injury for him is at least a month.
1: Yeah. No, and it's it's all size. It's all about his size. And so, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they piece this together. I mean, I still have a very little faith in Aaron Boone. Oh, zero. zero especially zero. because, like, we've taken most of the decision-making out of his hands by making some of these trades. But, like, Rizzo isn't making the calls to the bullpen. No.
3: <laughs> No, and speaking of Boone, I don't know if you caught this. One of the beat reporters, his name was Justin, basically tweeted that Cashman finally admitted that he hands Boone a lineup card every morning and basically that Boone's allowed to tentatively make a change or two, but that if he does make a change and it doesn't work out, like the analytics department will kind of say, I told you so. Yeah. So for all the debate of who makes the lineup, does he not make the lineup, we knew that fucking Boone isn't sitting down and writing the lineup every day. Everybody knows that. But now we kind of have it, the proof that, all right, Cashman's making the lineup every day.
1: Here's the thing, though. I don't hold that against Boone. I think to do it any other way than to start out with, I let the analytics spit out a lineup for me, and then I'll make adjustments, um, I think makes sense. It's I think the adjustments stink. <laughs> and... and I think they're pretty much all bad decisions. And then, I mean, unless he's wearing a buzzer of some kind that says, "Hey, you make this pitching change right now," you know,
3: he's he doesn't know how to manage a bullpen. Oh, cle- well, clearly, he doesn't know how to do the bullpen. But I don't think he pushes back that much. For instance, you know, Cashman admitted that the el- analytics team—it was their idea—to do the Davy for one inning and then Jay Happ come in, which everybody knew was a disaster. Bush or Boone didn't clearly didn't push back on that. Um, so that's a scenario where we know he didn't push back, regardless, you know, it's kind of a suspicion that everybody had that it was just kind of nice to see it come out into the open. You know they're gonna break up these lefties and the righties though, uh, every single game, and now those you know those elite right handed relievers that would typically come in in the seventh inning and blow us away, they won't be able to do that as much anymore since yeah, we have some balance
1: like it it gives us i mean, we just we have better hitters, professional hitters. In those spots, silver sluggers in those spots where instead of Luke Voigt fucking hacking away or, you know, Fraser watching a pitch come right down the middle or in Duhar with his helicopter, you know, swing, we're going to see pitches. We're going to get to bullpens. And when you get to the bullpen, then we should be able to blow things open. But. It's just a matter of, like, it's got to happen, and we have to not be down five runs
3: already. Oh, exactly, and they got to get rolling quickly. Luckily, they have a very soft schedule coming up, I believe, so we have three at home against the Orioles. We have four at home against Seattle this weekend, who's right neck and neck with us for the wild card, and then they go to Kansas City for three, so those are ten very winnable games. I think you kind of – you have to go seven and three. Eight and two would be awesome, but – we talked about it. they got to play 650, 700 ball or whatever the rest of the year to make the playoffs. So with a soft schedule like that, with most of the games at home, have to go seven and three over the next ten. Got to go seven and three at
1: least. You want to go eight and two? I mean, tonight's Orioles game, we should score nine hundred runs.
3: Jorge Lopez is legitimately the worst starter in the Ameri- in baseball.
1: <laughs> yes. So you got to win that game. You really, you've got to sweep the Orioles. You don't go out and get Joey Gallo and Anthony Rizzo to not sweep the Orioles.
3: To me, I'm fine with five and two this week for the Orioles and the Mariners. However, that manifests itself, whether they take two out of three and then three out of four, or whether they sweep and go two. I'm fine with five and two this week. Um, but no, I'd I love to sweep them. But you can't assume that, man. We're, we're six and four against the Orioles. We haven't swept them yet. So it's hard for me to sit here and be like, yeah, we're going to sweep or we need to sweep because we, we haven't done it. I'm not saying we're going to. I'm saying that's what we have to do.
1: Okay. okay. You know, like that is if you like the Mariners are one game behind us. Like they're not, they're not the Mariners of old. I mean, they're not the best, the 98 or whatever, the 2000 Mariners, but at the same time, they're not last year's Mariners. Like, they are playing us to take our spot in the standings.
3: Oh, for sure. For sure. So, uh, yeah. Coming come to the – we already took two out of three from them in Seattle. Now they have to come to the East Coast, which is kind of a bitch for a West Coast team. We're going to have Cole going in one of the Mariner games. Three, like, I need three out of four against them. That series is more important than the Orioles series.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, and, and they're going to – you know, the Orioles series – I don't view playing the Orioles as like, hey, we're going to see their best punch. That's just like, I think when we lose those games, it's because we took our eye off the ball. Seattle, we're going to see their best punch. Like, this is what they are, you know, trying to do. They're trying to make the playoffs. They're trying to shock the world. And who knows, though? They're playing Tampa first.
3: Tampa could take some of the wind out of their sails. That's a lot of traveling, too. You fly from Seattle all the way to Florida, which is basically the longest flight you can make in the country. Then they got to come all the way up to New York. They could be pretty beat up by the time they get to us on Thursday.
1: Yeah, I don't know where they were this weekend if they were home. But, yeah, I mean that's part of playing
3: in Seattle. You're gonna, you have the most miles of, of any team. I remember that when Cano signed and reading all those articles about how, how much he was going to hate it, and he did.
1: I think I wrote uh, an article that was like, congratulations to the second Dominican in Seattle. Yeah. You're so far
3: from getting good food. I hope good you coffee, like coffee. Isn't it weird we haven't played the Orioles since we've been there? It's a long stretch that we haven't played them.
1: Because it feels like we play Tampa and Boston every yeah, four minutes. Yeah. It's I a feel, weird schedule. I
3: feel like we've played
1: the Blue Jays a lot, too. Yes, we have, but we've played them
3: in all different places.
1: <laughs> yeah. We're gonna play them in what, three cities this year?
3: Yeah, and let's not forget about them. They, you know, they got buried. They're a game in behind fans. us too. Yeah. And they're going back to Toronto. They're gonna be much more comfortable. They're playing at home now, they're gonna be energized. They they are not to be taken lightly.
1: They're not actually a game behind us. They're tied with us in the loss col- column. Um they've got two games. So we've got, you know, oh, and they're losing to the Indians right now in the ninth. I don't think that they're a team that you know is built to to go far this year. They're you know they're clearly on the cusp of it, but just not there yet. So I'm not as worried about them. I think even the like going to Toronto thing, I don't know that that's going to like energize them. Do they have fans oh, see, in the do. stadium
3: there? They do, and they're going to be sleeping in their own beds again. I'm sure they're pumped to be back. It's been a year. Is and it a half. their beds? I These guys know. aren't – they're not born and raised in Toronto. They're not Drake. No,
1: but I'm sure a lot of them have homes there if they're on the team. They haven't been there in two years. That's not home. Like legally, they haven't been able to go there. So even okay. if you had an apartment
3: before the season, you got that shut down at some point last year. But still, they've been bouncing around from Florida to Buffalo. It does bring some stability to say this is where we're playing for the rest of the year. yeah. COVID cases are going up, though. You're going you're gonna to let them in and out of the country,
1: Trudeau? <laughs> like, if they get on a win streak, like, I kind of need the border shut down again. <laughs> no,
3: seriously. Whatever it takes. Barrios was a big move. They gave up their two best prospects, but he was you know, the second best pitcher on the market after Scherzer at the deadline, so that, that could be pretty big for them. Everybody in the AL East got better, except Baltimore, obviously, because they never improved.
1: Yeah, but they kept Trey Mancini, so they're happy. Yeah. <laughs> Like that. That was it. Just oh well. We kept a guy who's been here for forever and is about to be a free agent. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. We have something to watch or run differentials back to zero. So <laughs> we're not in the negative anymore. And Blue Jays you know, I mean, are
3: still plus seventy. Who? The Blue Jays are still what plus seventy plus,
1: plus 107 107. <laughs> Seattle's minus fifty six and they're a game behind us. That's, That's wild. so weird. Like within yeah. one game in the standings, it's zero
3: plus one oh seven minus fifty six. Well, we we haven't had any blowout wins. We've had we blew out the Tigers, we blew out the Orioles when me and you went in the governor's suite, and then other I, I can't think of really many other blowout wins that we've had. I think they've had like under five wins where they won by six or more runs. Like they need more of those because they're using their high leverage relievers. Like every win is a struggle. It's weird. So like
1: you've got Tampa, Houston, and Chicago are all in first place. And Tampa and Chicago have a plus one twelve run differential. Houston's plus 149. Always just going to be in the playoffs. Doesn't matter what they did. There was no punishment. Uh, Boston is plus 48. Oakland's plus 52. And then after that, that's the line of demarcation for you're not in the playoffs anymore. There's us sitting at zero. Toronto at 107. And then it's all negatives. Minus 56, minus 30, minus 43. Then on the NL side of things... You've got the Mets are sitting in first place in their division at minus 7. And then 8? I don't know what they are in the division. I'll check in a second. But 8 games back in the second wild card spot is Atlanta at plus 49. Right behind Atlanta, that's minus
3: 20. Run differentials, wild. Yeah, some teams blow out teams and or get blown out and some don't. Like I feel like even we don't get blown out or blow out. All of our games are one run. Nail biters. It seems like it makes sense. Yeah. to Zero run differential. <laughs> yeah.
1: Pretty much. But this lineup, like you know, it just we need to open up for like a nice like three game stretch. Really feel good.
3: Um. But it's tough to do that with Tyler Wade on the roster. Oh, my God. And did you hear the John Sterling call? Like, this is why he's a great player. Or, like, he made a defensive play. And they're like, every time he plays, he shows why he he's such a great player. It's like, John, I love you. But, oh, oh man, no I way.
1: Mean, John Sterling's an old man who shows up places with bandages on his head nowadays. Like, he's a great <laughs> announcer for a long time. But Tyler Wade
3: fucking stinks. <laughs> he does. He does. What did you think of watching the games in Miami, like, the aesthetics of it? Like, it looked kind of dark kind of weird inside so, so i'm
1: colorblind and so uh, the um what was that oh dan's colorblind Dan's too. colorblind
3: too i'm a little left out now
1: dan i've actually uh, we'll get back to the aesthetic i have a jacksonville question for you you're born and raised in jacksonville right yeah do you know fred durst or his family i i was looking at fred durst's instagram today but uh he went to high school with my mom <laughs> oh like same year uh I don't know exactly,
3: but they went to the same high school for
1: sure. Damn. Sit me next to Carson Daly and Fred Durst. Find out who Christina gave head to first. <laughs> That's an Eminem line for you kids at home. Great Eminem line. <laughs> yeah. So I watched his Lollap- I watched uh Lollapalooza yesterday. Like I signed up for Hulu so I could watch it, but then I missed Limp Biscuit. And yesterday <laughs> I just I went out, I got donuts. I smoked a joint outside, and I just hung out in my office and watched Limp Biscuit at Lollapalooza. <laughs> and my wife even came in, and she was like, this is, like, the happiest I've seen you in a while. Like, you just look really happy right now. And then also she was like, why do you know all the words to all these songs? I've never heard you listen to a Limp Biscuit song ever. And I was just like, yeah, I mean, I've, I have listened to them a billion times years ago. But, yeah, back to the aesthetic in Miami. Listen, Miami as a whole is garbage is very much garbage the reason we didn't go to that thing is i looked i remember we talked about like yo should we go to that game and i looked and i was like all right where am i gonna stay like because i'm gonna stay somewhere somewhat nice you know i'm not looking for a motel and everything i looked at it was just like neon lights and i was just like i this isn't me this is not me at all but being colorblind the yes box the little like score bug Whatever the Marlins color, I think it was a blue, my wife told me, that that was. So when the Yankees are up, the Yankees have like the navy blue right next to it. It's the Marlins blue. When the Yankees are up, the outs are the navy blue and the guys on base are the navy blue. For the Marlins, it's that light blue, which to me looks gray. So I couldn't tell how many outs there were or who was on base if I had like if I went to go get water or something. Like If I wasn't watching,
3: I didn't know what was going on. I didn't even notice that. To me, it just looked very dark. Like it was just like I don't know if it was something with the lights. I, I the think they, they just, just dark,
1: dark vibe. Open the well, I think their original intent for that stadium was at night with those lights and the dome closed, it would be fine. But during the day with the dome closed, I think the lighting's probably just like not great. Okay. And cause they had said at the beginning of i think it was the beginning of the broadcast or the friday game uh it used to be grass and I, jeter had all the grass ripped out and it's turf now and they just like keep the roof closed so they don't have to they don't have to pay the whatever it costs to open and close the roof so that uh it gets
3: rain and sun for the grass it's a very cheap move that kind of makes sense, though, because how many days in Miami during the baseball season would you even want to have the roof open? Like maybe the beginning of April and the very end of the season? Dan's yeah. saying zero. I kind of agree with him. Well, I mean, what's it matter? Like who does it impact? There are no fans there anyway. Who gives a <laughs> shit? <laughs> there were some Yankee fans there. but no. When we, and when we talked about going to Miami, it was in February when we didn't know if we'd be able to go to games in New York or what the deal would be. And it was like, oh, well, they'll definitely let you in in Florida. But for yeah. me – Miami in July, I run way too hot for that. I'd be way too sunburned. That would have been that would have been a disaster.
1: Miami in July would have been tough. Miami, if like, even though like we're vaccinated, like I'm not fucking to Florida right now. It's not the yeah. place to be.
3: No, Sorry, no, dad. I haven't been on a plane yet either.
1: Yeah, so, no, I haven't been on a plane. I don't really care. Well, right now I'm not dying to, but like I'm not that. You know, hey, you're vaccinated. You hope
3: for the best, but it's having a kid. That's a tough thing. No, you're right. Speaking of planes, though, I will be going to Chicago next weekend when the Yankees visit the White Sox. So I will be at the Saturday game at Guaranteed Rate Field, I think is what it's called.
1: Nice. Um, yeah. Let me give you some tips. Yep. In center field, so in center field, there's like an area you could stand, kind of like Yankee Stadium. Mm-hmm. And then behind that, there's like, you know, where people normally walk, and there's food vendors. There is a burger. That they have, that they had out there. I forget the name of it. I'll look it up. It's, it may be better than the Burrata Burger at Yankee Stadium. It was the best, one of the best burgers I've ever had in my life. It was very good. Um, their Cuban sandwiches are pretty good. If you're into corn, they have like elote, like street corn, out nice, in the nice, outfield. Yeah, I love that. Shit, That's yeah. very good. So, those are my tips. Don't drink any malort. Malort's gross. What's that, like the Chicago Bud Light? It's like, no, no, it's a liquor and it tastes like licking a floor mat in a car. It's so bad. Yeah. You should actually do it just to see what it's like. <laughs> it's like their thing. Like yeah. how, like Florida's thing is like meth or like fake weed that makes yeah. you bite someone's face off. <laughs> Dan just takes a beating. This Dan takes
3: the Florida thing. stuff personally. We were doing that with the roller coasters last week too. It's personal for him.
1: No, no. Dan actually, someone was like, "Hey, listen, I'm from." By the way, I'm from Miami, from Montana. We have more than two escalators. It might be Wyoming. One of those states only has two. But um, yeah, Dan takes a Florida beating, and he kind of looks like, oh, "Come on, it's t- we're I'm um, Jacksonville's close to Georgia. Like that's going to change anything <laughs> for me." Um. Yeah no, going to Miami seemed like a nightmare. It seemed like the uh, BP like South Florida
3: crew though went. They had a good time. It looked like. Yeah no, they were, they were getting after it. And then next week we got the. Uh, I totally forgot about this. The Field of Dreams game. Yeah, is next Thursday. To me, I don't really. I'm not a huge movie guy. I don't really care about that. But some people are really into it. So, have you ever seen Field of Dreams? i I've seen it once. Yeah. Have you ever?
1: Oh, I've got like a uh, possibly for work the first week of September. I'm gonna go to. A, it looks like I'm gonna go to a Durham Bulls game. Ooh, cool! Which is like, a, you know, it's not the same stadium, but it's you know a cool place to go to. Bull Durham's my favorite sports movie.
3: Is it your favorite movie of all time, or just favorite? No, sports Goodfellas. Movie?
1: Gotcha. Yeah, Goodfellas is number one. Bronx Tales number two.
3: Bull Durham might be number three. Any movie like Goodfellas where you have the main character narrating, it's very easy to watch. Like I like that first-person narration.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just I, – I love Goodfellas. We had like the Goodfellas – we had the Christmas tree from Goodfellas for a number of years. Then the Susie thing happened and we were on the news and we have this trashy white with like purple <laughs> balls fucking Christmas tree. And people are like, what is wrong with these people? And then other people in comments would be like, it's Goodfellas. Um, yeah, so – yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think – for like this upcoming week, this is uh, another you know you look for like a, a like line in the sand, like a place where they you know plant their foot and we're not going back any further than this, and like this week's as good as any
3: yeah, it is, and if they go five and five, you know they're not for real, like if they fuck this up and, and can't beat up on the easy teams, the Orioles and the Royals, you, you know they're not for real, but if they do go seven and three or eight and two, you know you could start start to believe again now, with that being said, to me, the second wild card. Is not good enough. They need home field advantage in that wild card game.
1: That's what I was gonna say. I think so. Uh, you know, getting to a wild card game is, is never enough. The World Series is the only acceptable thing. There's no we can lose. Winning the World Series. We if we go and we lose the World Series, it's not a building block. I don't think like we've built a foundation that now we're just like a move away from. Um, so it's now it's like hey, let's just be dumb enough to win. And I think that getting the momentum on our side of finding that first wild card, hoping that Boston collapses because you know, but they are getting sale back, so who knows, or that the rays collapse enough that we can get up there and we can catch that, you know, home field advantage, win that game and build some momentum, then then I think
3: maybe we have a chance. Yeah, to me, that's the difference. And this group hasn't proven shit, but the one thing they have proven is that they can win wildcard games at home. And maybe not even that. Maybe it's our crowd that has proven it. Because it's almost like, I don't know, I was at both, I was at the wildcard game in 17 and 18. The crowd basically will the team yeah. to win, it, it felt like. So that's one thing you can kind of count on is if they can line up Cole at home in the wildcard game, great. If they have to go to the Trop and face a bullpen game, bad. If they have to go to Fenway and face Sale in a one game, bad. So you need to get that game at home.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Like, that's what we're really playing for. I'm not happy enough making the playoffs. We could still win, but we're not, you
3: know, we're, we're we're not setting ourselves up for success. No, no, second wild card game is, is not where we want to be. Um, and then a little bit, just a little bit of around the league, something I found funny, the Mets were unable to to sign the 10th overall pick, Kumar Rocker, who for all intents and purposes was like the third best pitcher, In college baseball this year, he's a total stud. They had some quabbling about the MRI and the health with Boris. I just thought it was funny that, you know, everybody said once Uncle Steve showed up that it wasn't going to be the same old Mets and everything was going to change. And clearly it's still the same.
1: Yeah. I mean, from what I saw of this, he, like, they drafted him. They got to examine him once after the draft. And with that, they said we don't think you're worth your slot money because of something we're seeing in your medical. So they offer him less. He says no, and now he has to either play independent ball, sign in Japan, or, um, you know, or, or just sit out the year and enter the draft next year. And I mean, there's a billion problems with the way like these kids coming into baseball are, are treated. Oh, they're totally exploited. But. I think with the system that they have, if there's an amount of money for a slot, that's it. You can't offer less than that. Because, like, now this guy, like, if whatever the slot was, and I, I don't know the number, but if that slot is $7 million and they go, oh, well, we looked at your stuff. Um, so, listen, we're going to offer you three, he has no recourse other than to miss a year of making money. Right. <laughs> right, or he could have gone back to school, but you know he didn't want to, which makes sense because he's an adult trying to make money well, I mean the fact that they have to stay three years in college is bullshit too, if they go to a four-year school. So it should you know, the Mets now lose nothing. They get the 11th pick next year, and whatever they get, whatever their draft pick is. and this kid misses out on it. And we saw it happen a couple years ago with I think it was like with Houston. Where there was a kid with a similar situation. Yeah, they're supposed to get like six million. They offered him two. You know, the tenth, the value of the tenth slot is what was that? Four point seven three. The Mets
3: offered six, but then they pulled it. They pulled the six, I think. Oh, okay. Because Rocker wasn't supposed to fall to ten. I think he was supposed to be five or six. He I thought he was talking of like being like a two or three. Yeah, but if you're the Mets, like, why you're kind of in a win-now situation? Degrom's 33, Lindor's gonna turn 29. Like, I don't understand kicking the can down the road. I'd want to get him in here now, maybe get him up towards the end of next year, like while you have Degrom still in his prime. I don't understand. I mean, I know they get the pick next year, but that doesn't really make sense. I mean, I know. don't watch a lot of Met games, but I know they're
1: in first place. They're in first place in a division that that stinks. Like they it's wouldn't horrible. be sniffing the playoffs if they were in another division. This guy just pitched in the College World Series, pitches with Jack Leiter. I don't, you know, now I'm not a Met fan, so I'm not worried about their future. But, like, is there something? This
3: guy could have contributed this year. I yeah. Think, right? Yeah. He was pretty much ready. He just would need some innings, maybe. Yeah. You could pick up a couple innings
1: in AAA A. And then come to the big leagues this year, if you're making a go for it, I think you know i I think it's fucked like hey if you don't if you draft me and you don't want to sign me, then to at least the slot, he should be able to get at least the slot and if you know I don't know the the finer details of it, but if it's less than the slot, he should be able to be a free agent,
3: yeah, no, it's very unfair, and then Cohen had that really poor tweet where he like called him an asset or something, and yeah referred to kumar rocker as an investment which you know if you're gonna be on, i know like cohen wants to be on twitter kind of being a man of the people but that's that's not how to do it yeah but like i don't i don't think so
1: like what's the what's the issue like what's the issue with saying that like it's an investment i'm running a business he was a stockbroker or you know he's a stock guy that's how he made his money that's how he got the money to buy
3: the team I get it, but I don't think players like hearing that. I don't think players like being referred to as assets. And if you're a player that's going to be a free agent, you're thinking about coming to a team. I don't know. I just don't think other players would like that. Maybe I'm wrong. I think it's, I think he's being honest.
1: You know? it's a. I find it refreshing. I saw that. He said, you know, the value is, I think it was something like five times whatever the slot is, like that's supposed to be the value of the team. And they didn't see that. So, you know, the, but... At the same time, if you don't see that, the guy shouldn't be
3: stuck with no options. And you should have maybe drafted somebody else. Like, I don't – I mean, didn't they have a chance to look at him before? I don't know. The whole thing kind of makes – kind of makes no sense. And look, the, they get the pick next year, but we've talked about it how like the top 10, that's really the only place to get where you kind of guaranteed elite talent and you have this guy that's pretty much a sure thing, like you talked about in the college World Series and all that and then just to let him get away. It just seems seems really stupid to me. Um but it's not our problem at the end of the day. Yeah, no, it's not. It's it's for us to uh to laugh at. Yes. Yes. Um Dan, you got a you got a little segment for us.
1: Um, so I only had one question okay. to not too hard, but we'll see. All right. So, um, how many total wins do the
3: New York Yankees as a franchise have? This is going to be a whoever comes closer type thing. Yeah, let's, let's do that. Let's try yeah, that. Yeah. Uh,
1: I think it's like, I'm
3: going with 10,000. Pick. We've been around for uh, – what's uh, – What's. can you tell me what 110 times 90 is? Because that would be my answer. 90?
2: Uh, 110
3: times 90 is my answer. It's not 90. So right. uh,
1: Jack's closest or JJ's closest, they have 10,467 career wins. Okay. I thought we hit 10,000. Like, I couldn't remember if it was five years ago or like seven, or I I knew it wasn't during the boon time. I also remember living in Philly when the Phillies hit 10,000 losses. I was
3: at that game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was at that game. It was like history, which is hilarious. Yeah, they were the first professional sports team to 10,000 losses. Yeah. Because that was probably like you were in college, I was in high school ish. Yeah, when was it? Oh, 2007, yeah.
1: Yep. I remember that. I was yeah, it was in high school. fucking that was suck. Yeah, listen, hey, I think that's all we got for, for this week. Um, I mean, again, I think that there is more that could have been done. I think there's, like, one more move. Maybe the move wasn't out there. Maybe, you know, if we got another starter instead of the Blue Jays – it you know it changes things. Maybe we would have had to deplete things. Oh, another thing. I mean, little Pedro is fucking done. <laughs> done, done. Like it is. This guy, we were wondering like, how is he not opening day roster? His career might legitimately be over. He is what, so he's got bad. A Ten ERA and triple. It's like. He just ungodly. gave oddly
3: he gave up like three three runs in one inning and that was it in his last outing yeah I've, I never understood people being high on him it's like it's like the Tinkerbell thing they see oh we have a decent pitching prospect and you just want him to turn out well but as we keep saying how many dominant five foot seven starting pitchers are there in the American League and he had two starts this year against the Orioles and the Tigers the two basically the two worst teams and he couldn't beat either of them it's like I think we've seen enough yeah it's not good. Um, all right, you can follow Nick on Twitter
1: at ncurbynyy. You can follow Dan on Twitter, juiceki99. Juiceki99. Follow the show at George's Box Pod. You can follow me at JJ from the Bronx. Leave, uh, leave a comment. Leave a review. Leave us five stars. All that fun stuff. Uh, tell a friend. Share it. Listen, I don't, I don't know. I mean, this next ten days may help us figure out if there's going to be a parade. So hey, if there's a parade, we'll see you at it.